Hey, uh, here we go now on uh, what will be the third in a series of podcasts that I'm putting out about uh, life in the uh, Furnace Village, sometimes called Eastern Furnace. Uh, in the uh, late 1940s, early uh, 1950s, and the contrast of uh, what the life there was uh, compared to today is uh, quite interesting. Um, many of the families in the Furnace, that time was agrarian farms, small farms, an acre or two up to maybe 10 acres, and uh, and that the farm was probably a part-time endeavor. This week's uh, uh, podcast is entitled The Furnace Village Grammar School, okay? School started for me in 1941 in September of the year, two months before the beginning of World War II. At the end of the first day, which was 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., I liked school so much that I asked my mom if I could go back to school that same day. My first year, I had Miss Belcher as my teacher. This was to be her last year in the profession before retiring. Her nickname was Old Biddy Belcher. She was of the real Belcher family and lived across from the Belcher Malleable Iron Foundry and beside the Swift Store. She tended to the first, second, and third grade in our room, while the other teacher, Mrs. Heath, taught the fourth, fifth, and sixth year in the other room. The Furnace Village School had just opened a couple of years before, so the building was nearly new. It's now the Water Department's headquarters. Previously, the schoolhouse was located at the junction of Highland and South Streets. Miss Belcher taught at that location for many years. She was a very kind lady and did not deserve the old bitty Belcher name she was given. Now, at the Furnace Village Grammar School, we had flush toilets, while the old school on Highland Street featured the indoor-outdoor outhouse in its basement. I loved the school and, I, and was a real itch to the teacher and everyone else, I'd guess. I had an answer for every question, whether or not it was the correct one. Most likely, my affliction was some sort of attention deficit disorder. If Ritland had been around at the time, I'd have been prescribed a double dose. Miss Belcher was fond of using the rattan switch on miscreants. I was an occasional target. Even chewing gum could get a stroke or two, and man, did that hurt. To the chagrin of my friends, my many friends, I'm still <laughs> so afflicted. School went to 12 noon with an hour off for lunch. I brought mine from home, as did most of the students. In fair weather, we ate outdoors, and in foul, we had a small lunchroom in the basement. That room is still there, and to this day serves as a lunchroom for the town's water department. The Rye kids, and there were quite a few of them, would bring tomato soup and mason jars in the winter and put them on the radiator to warm them up. My sandwiches, always on homemade white bread, might be salmon salad because it was cheap then. In September and October, when tomatoes were plentiful, we got lettuce, tomato, and mayo sandwiches. The sandwiches were wrapped in wax paper, and yet today, whenever the rare occasion that has someone opening a sandwich so wrapped and lets that special aroma escape, I'm brought back immediately to the lunchroom at 415 Bay Road. Echoes of the Depression years haunted us. Dad bought canned veggies by the case from the A&P store. He got the dented cans at a discount 
and bought macaroni by the 25-pound box, so there was nothing fancy in our lunch boxes and bags. In the basement was the bomb shelter. It was the room to the left of the stage now, serving as the water department's records room. Mary Ames Frothingham, that would be Mrs. Lewis Frothingham, gave every student in the uh, school system a Christmas gift. Furnace Village was not accepted, and while we had little idea of who the woman was, we were most happy for the gift. It was quite a nice item, as I remember, and often a toy. This was especially fine for me, as we tended to get more clothes than toys at home. The gift was presented in the lower-level assembly hall. Once, we were honored with a visit from Clifford Kippy Grant. He was in full-dress military garb and told us of some of his Navy experiences during World War II. I forget the details, but we were all enthralled with his presence. Kippy was a well-known Town of Eastern employee for many years and an avid outdoorsman. He knew every nook and cranny of Eastern's woodlands. He was instrumental in the acquisition of several important pieces of open space for the town and has a reservation named for him located up by the Oliver Ames High School compound. Most poignant in my memory are the lunch hours when Bobby Smith was mercilessly harassed and beaten by the older boys for his not saluting the flag at opening exercises in the morning. He was allowed to stand but could not salute and say the pledge as he was of the Jehovah Witness faith. I was racked with guilt that I did not come to his rescue, but was afraid of the licking I'd get. Now Henry Harvey of South Street, however, went right to Bobby's defense and took some awful beatings for it. Bobby was called a Nazi, and worse, so unfair was his treatment. His mum brought his lunch at noon and sat with him and consoled him. His frequent bloody noses and tear-stained face remain in my memory so clearly. Honest to God, tears come to my eyes as I write this. Bobby was my friend, and I would go to his house on Bay Road after school. The Gino DeShulo family now lives in what is the converted barn of the Smith small, small farm. Bobby was very advanced in technology and had a telegraph set in his backyard that he and I would send messages to one another from one farm shed to another. Bob got exasperated with me because I had not memorized the Morse code as he had done, but he forgave me. Bob graduated from Olive Rames High School in 1953 with me, and no surprise went into computers as an occupation. Once I made it to the second grade, a new teacher was assigned, Mrs. Anna Ames Gilmore, wife of the well-known Wallace Gilmore, came in to oversee the first three grades at that school. Her sister, Esther, maiden name Ames Heath, of the farm on Prospect Street, took on the fourth, fifth, and sixth grades in the next room. There's a Heath Road up there named for those folks. They were at the school at the remainder of my Furnace Village school days. Mrs. Gilmore would be teaching the first grade while the other two grades did their homework. As soon as busybodies like me had completed their assignments, we were put to teach the next lower classes. It worked out well, and by the time we reached the junior high school in Northeastern, we had everyone up to speed to keep up with the, quote, city people, as we, as we regarded those from Northeastern Village. Up there... They had the supposed advantage of a single class to a classroom, but I doubt it was any edge at all. One special friend was Richard Anderson. He was assigned to the Furnace School even though he lived at the corner of Prospect and Foundry Street. 
We went through grade school, high school, and the first year of college at Bridgewater State Teachers College together, but he went off to Northeastern University to become an electrical engineer. He was a whiz at math and science subjects, which was my weakness. Andy and I could wrestle at lunchtime and we were evenly matched. I served as his best man at his wedding many years later. He married Judy Talbot of Howard Street. He and I remain best chums to this day. And that's how I remember it.